All right, welcome to the Jump Music Initiative podcast. Uh, with, this, uh, with us this week is uh, an old buddy of mine, a really good friend of mine, Fred Brenton, Freddie B, uh, out of Edmonton, Alberta. And Freddie and I go back uh, a long, long way. Uh, I'm not going to say how long, but uh, <laughs> longer than some of you listeners have been alive, that's for sure. Um, so today, uh, we're going to get into talking a little bit about music production, but also um, just some of Fred's views on, um, on production itself or songwriting or being an artist in general, what kind of advice you can give to some young artists out there. So I think um, I might just kick things off here, Freddie, and just ask you, um, can you, in simple terms, define what a producer does for an artist or why an artist would go to a producer, what the role of a producer is, in just generally speaking? Okay, you're starting with the hard, the hard questions first. Um, well, I, I want to give everybody kind of a, a, you don't have to get too in depth. I just want to give everybody yeah. a general idea of why they might need one or what, what somebody can do in a production role for an artist. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the only reason that's a, a hard question is it's very, very dependent on the artist or the particular project or maybe where the artist is or what they're looking to get out of it. Uh, the short answer of what a producer does um, is the producer facilitates the production of the music. And this is why I say that it can really vary depending on what, uh, what, what a particular artist is looking for or even what a particular project calls for. <clears throat> Let me maybe talk a little less generally, but generally about a few different types of scenarios. So um, a pretty common one would be an artist or a band, especially a younger artist or band who hasn't done a whole lot of recording, um, is at a point in their, in their creative cre career where they are, are ready to sort of get into the studio and need a bit of help in terms of maybe even picking which songs. So like this might be an artist that has written 20 songs, but they want to record 10 of those. So a producer can kind of help make those kinds of choices. Even in terms of uh, in, in, it, in, it, in an individual song, like uh, a producer could almost work as an arranger or give a production hints at, you know, like this particular song could use a bridge or maybe this is the type of song that we should slow down or, you know, actually make changes to, uh, to, the, to the creative and musical choices. Um, you could also have a scenario where you're working, a producer is working with an artist who is uh, primarily a singer, but maybe isn't a songwriter. And so a producer could also facilitate that. Maybe the producer knows other songwriters or is a songwriter themselves. And, and, and a good producer can often pair an, an artist up with the material that they're putting out. Um, sometimes a producer is just somebody who knows the ins and outs of a studio a little bit better. Maybe uh, an artist maybe really knows what they want to sound like, but they don't have a lot of experience recording. And so a producer can work as an engineer or with the engineer to um, realize the vision of, of the band. So uh, a producer, in short, if I'm going to try to sum that up again, it's really facilitating the production of the music. So a good producer will have a good ear for musical choices, song choices, and the recording techniques to sort of get to uh, uh, the end goal. And like I said, it really depends on a, on a particular artist or particular project. Sometimes an artist comes with a vision and the producer is just really facilitating that vision. Or sometimes an artist would want to work with the producer because they know what that producer can get. Um, you know, maybe a, a band is, has done tons of recording, but they want to work with a particular producer because of that producer's track record or, or mm -hmm. body of work. And they want to sort of sound more like that or, or, or utilize that 
expertise or experience. I so see. yeah, sorry, sorry that that wasn't maybe as short as. Uh, as you no, were. that was great. That was succinct. I think as succinct as you could be for a, such yeah. a big question. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't want to say it just depends, but in so many ways it, it kind of depends. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask on behalf of young people who may not already be musicians, but they want to get into the music industry, what would be your best advice for people like that? Um, assuming the obvious that um, they have an interest in sort of um, becoming a better musician, be it a right. guitar player, a piano player or whatever. So, so obviously practice your craft, become as good a, a player as you possibly can. Um, but I'd say some of the most important things that sometimes gets overlooked, especially when people are learning um, technique or they want to sound like a certain thing or whatever, is play with other people. Find as many opportunities to, to jam or to play with other musicians. Um, you can go to school for music, uh, obviously, like even at the university level or higher, you can study with the greatest in the world. Um, but there's really no substitute for what you learn playing with other musicians at your level. Uh, under your level or, or certainly above your level. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, Jory's the same way, right? We went to university for music. I think we learned more in the years leading up to university and in the years working as musicians uh, after university than, than even in school. Right. Definitely. I, I second that for sure. And I don't mean just the obvious, like, so you learn networking and you learn all sort of other parts of the industry, but like I literally became a better musician by who I've, who I've played with and who I've listened to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, listen and, and play. Sounds kind of obvious, but. Uh. <laughs> so jumping back to uh, an emerging artist, uh, uh, you know, somebody starting out and, and they've never worked with a producer before, they've never gone into the studio. What do you think, I know it depends on the person, of course, but um, do you think that a good place to start is by recording a single or trying to record an EP or jumping right in doing an album? What's a good way to start out? Let's say if you're a singer songwriter and then maybe if you're a band or maybe it's the same answer. Yeah. Okay. No, those are two different. I think I have different answers for those situations. I think, and I've done lots of, um, lots of both um, as a producer. Um, a lot of times a singer songwriter specifically wants to work with a producer because that singer songwriter maybe only knows guitar and his or her own vocals or piano and vocals or whatever. And what they're looking at for in the producer is the rest of the band arrangement or possibly even if it's, you know, um, studio trickery kind of amazing, uh, arrangements, you know, like additions to something, right? Like anybody can rent a nice microphone and, and get a, and hit record and, and, and record singing the song into a, into a, into a tape machine or into a computer or whatever, but uh, a producer will have all of those other elements that maybe that they, they couldn't do on their own. And, and that would be different in a band situation, right? Band could often have their songs well rehearsed and all of those arrangements happening, right? Like the guitar player knows right. what they're doing, bass right. and drums know what they're doing. Um, in that scenario, I think a producer could either make some suggestions or like I said before, can, can kind of make some song choice stuff. Mm -hmm. um, um, as a producer of a band who writes their own material, I, I always like that is if you have, if the, as a producer or even as the band has more material than what they want to record at that point. Because um, producers um, can make the choice like, do you want to have a radio single or do you want it to be this kind of thing? And so uh, right. that's where you're uh, realizing the vision of the artist, right? And I um, guess remembering the fact that, you know, not all the songs are going to make it onto the album per se or 
you know, having more than you than you are you're going to report. I think in both cases, that's good advice. Having more than you want to end up with, because uh, well, because then you just get get to sort of pick the best, or at least mm -hmm. you know, sometimes a project, especially if you're recording an actual album, a body of music, sometimes you want some cohesion there, and that seventh and eighth song might be really great songs, but they might not fit with the others or whatever. So maybe that's why you want mm -hmm. to record a four or five song EP. Um, yeah, so many of these answers could be, you know, it really depends on the specifics, but. but and there's uh, so many factors to it, of course, like, you know, this is not even taking into consideration things like budget, you know, yeah, or exactly. any, anything like that, let alone your body of material. So yeah, sorry to throw such general questions at you, Freddie, no, no, but no. thank you. It's okay, it's okay. I get asked these questions a lot, so it's, I should have these answers prepared. Hmm. <laughs> is there any producers that inspired you when you were first starting? Um, yeah, so I think I got into production from uh, a pretty wide, um, how do I say this? So I'm interested in multiple different genres of music. I, I, I like everything from old country to jazz to punk rock and hip hop and whatever. Um, and so I think one of my early draws into it was how differently those musics are, are approached, not just musically, but certainly in the studio. Um, I, there, was, there was a long time where I was nerding out on, you know, drum machines and beat making and the whole hip hop sort of side of it rather than live acoustic instruments. Uh, and then I think I saw the name come up more often than others uh, in reading sort of like record liner notes. Um, you may have heard of Rick Rubin, major, major player um, for decades now. Um, but what's really interesting about Rick Rubin and his production um, history is that he's done everything from very early hip hop in the 80s to Red Hot Chili Peppers to Johnny Cash's last records. Um, mm -hmm. And his approach is not imparting his musical taste necessarily. He's really all about serving a song. He's really all about getting the best out of the artist. And... Uh, once you start sort of like diving down all the different avenues that he's worked in, and, and there's other producers that, that could kind of uh, fit that bill too. Um, it's fascinating to, to me, or it was fascinating to me that you can, what I hear in a Rick Rubin production is that you don't hear Rick Rubin. Like you, it's mm. pretty transparent. You hear, and, and it's, the production is always as stripped down as, as could possibly be too. Um, like some of the later Tom Petty stuff and, that, and, that, and the later um, Johnny Cash stuff, it's as stark as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it really serves the song and it really serves the artist. So nothing, no fancy production to get in the way of what's, what's there in the song and the delivery of that song. Um, mm -hmm. so he's always, always been a hero of mine that way. That's, um, the, yeah, Rick Rubin, what a great example. Freddie, stepping away from the production for a second, because you're a multi-instrumentalist, you're a songwriter. You're a vocalist, you're, you do all these things. And um, I know it helps you on the production side as well. But if we step away from that and maybe you can offer some advice to young, like young artists who want to develop their songwriting or maybe some young musicians that haven't got into songwriting at all. How, how are some ways you can start doing that? What are some really simple approaches to starting writing some songs? Um, I think it's the same answer as like, if you want to get better at playing an instrument um it's like like think of it as a it's a skill set or think of it as like a muscle and you need to work out that muscle so 
no one's going to write their first five songs and have any of them be all, all that amazing. Um, I don't think. I mean, young ones out there, prove me wrong. But uh, <laughs> I certainly remember writing a bunch of stuff that was just garbage. But so, sort of you kind of got to get into the flow of what writing is. Um, and then similarly to like learning an instrument, I'll, I'll use a, a, you know, learning saxophone. Well, you're not going to learn saxophone by listening to um, classical piano all day long, right? You're going to learn the, I mean, you're not going to learn saxophone just by listening either. Obviously you have to practice, but I mean, it's something that it's kind of obvious on the musician side that if I want to play like John Coltrane, I should be listening to a lot of John Coltrane. So if you have aspirations to be a songwriter, I'm not saying you have to go listen to any particular songwriters, but start thinking, start listening to music from with the ear of what makes this an interesting song or what was the process in writing this song. Um, and I think that's a, just an active listening thing. Um, and, and it isn't even to say that that will become an influence on your songwriting. A really great example, and Jory, you know this, I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I got drawn to his songwriting specifically. I just think he writes really clever words and, and um, he's, he kind of has a bunch of different genres that he writes in as well. And he's got, had a long career over many decades. Um, but my songwriting approach is never, I mean, with maybe rare exception, um, is never really like trying to sound that way or never really would sound like that. But um, he fascinates me enough to, to have that active listening. So I listen to like, why do I find this interesting? Oh, the second time the chorus comes around, it's a little bit longer, or this is the variation that he does there, or... You know, it's it's two full minutes into the song before it gets to this part that by the end of the song you're realizing it's the chorus or or whatever. So it's 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 um, learning what the repertoire of a songwriter is by sort of analyzing songwriters. Um, right. Is that is that that do sort of? That, I think that's great great advice and and really breaking down uh, some of the arrangements and some of the like deconstructing the song almost so that you see the different parts. And, yeah. and recognize them as different parts, right? For sure. If that was a real beginner, so like to simplify that even more, yeah, see if you can figure out, like, does a song have, um, so just musically, does a song have a, a structure? Is there like an intro, then a verse section, then a chorus section, and then does it come back to a similar section for a verse again, um, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, or is it constantly changing? And then, of course, you know, typically when we're talking about songwriting, there's a lyrical uh, element as well. So just from a poetic standpoint, is it, is it very wordy? Does it tell a story? Is it more about a uh, vibe? Is it just sort of painting a abstract picture or, um, cause there's different approaches there. Um, you know, and I'm certainly not an English teacher or a literature teacher, but there's certainly different approaches musically, which, you know, I, I would be more inclined to talk about, but definitely different approaches lyrically. Um, some people are great at story songs. Some genres le lend themselves better to, different style of lyrics and stuff as well, right? If you're into pop music, sometimes the story isn't so deep. It just needs to make you feel a certain way. Um, or, you know, there's many genres like that. But uh, yeah, right. I think the key comes down to, yeah, like taking the time to actively, like, I like this song, listen to it, and see if you can figure out what about the crafting of that song uh, makes it interesting to you. Mm -hmm. And then try to write in that style and then try to develop your own, right? Again, it's similar to me to, uh, to like being, a, being an instrumentalist. You know, everybody who picks up a guitar when they're 13 years old wants to be whoever, Jimi Hendrix to John Mayer or whatever the 
whatever the inspiration was. But eventually, you know, you become your own, you sort of put your own stamp on it. So I think the same thing would happen songwriting wise. Cool. That's some great advice, especially for, I think, for young artists going into the studio to know what they need to have prepared in terms of they have their songwriting done, but then arrangements. And if you, if you want to expand on that, what are some things that young artists can do to be better prepared before they go into the studio? Um, that's a really great, I think you kind of nailed it there. Um, the biggest thing would be to be over-prepared. So we've already kind of talked about that, having more songs, more, more available. Um, but also, depending on the production scenario, um, being open to, to change, I think, I mean, something that most producers do, like say there's a studio time set, I know I'm going into the studio in three weeks with this band, I would hope to be able to attend a few rehearsals with that band and work out some of, I mean, what they call pre-production, and it's called pre-production for a reason. Some of these things about like, okay, we need to make this song a little bit shorter, or it'd be cool if we added some shots at the beginning of this for some intro, or whatever the, the specifics are. But some of that can kind of happen uh, before the actual studio. The biggest advice before you go into the studio is studio time is very expensive. So before you actually get in front, you know, headphones on in front of the microphone, um, make sure that those parts are, are as tight as you can get them and as close to what you want that final product to be. Um, so yeah, in some cases that means working with the producer ahead of studio time, or at least being very, very, very well rehearsed, I would say is the best. And don't go out partying the night before, especially if you're the singer. Um, you, know, you, need to, <laughs> you need to have your, uh, your instruments in top shape as well as your songs, right? We find that out the hard way when we're young, don't we, Fred? Yes, we do. All of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Can you, uh, let's talk, I just want to talk for a, one second about, uh, about Kimberlite Records and your approach to, to production there. So Kimberlite is an old school soul label and uh, Freddie and I work on it together. Um, but uh, do you have a different approach in terms of, you work with a lot of analog stuff there. Can you talk about the difference between analog and digital? I think that some, uh, some listeners might not even be aware of what the difference is between that and then some of the characteristics of both and why um, Kimberlite maybe uses analog or, um, you know, just to be aware of some of these different uh, uh, techniques and things that are available to uh, in recording. Sure. Um, I suppose the biggest difference between analog and digital is what you're talking, typically talking about is uh, recording to a tape machine, usually recording to tape. Um, that's certainly the way it was done everywhere up until somewhere in the mid eighties. And then, uh, digital technology sort of caught up to be able to, uh, to record at fidelity enough to, uh, to, to release music, to record music. And to, um, but yeah, the biggest difference would be two things. And this is a, up for a bit of debate debate, but a lot of people think that, tape has a particular sound. And if you want to get deep into the science of it, um, tape is, sound is recorded to tape magnetically. Um, and digitally, what's happening is it's taking small, small chunks of sound, right? Like little clips of sound, so small that you don't hear any of those gaps in between when you listen to a song. But like it, most, most people watching this hopefully have, have seen a, a physical waveform uh, in digital recording. And maybe not, but if you can kind of just picture a graph of sound from the beginning to the end, um, digitally what's happening is it's taking tiny little snapshots. 
And if you know about MP3s and, and quality of MP3s, you say it's like a, at 320 kilobits per second, or this is how many little slices are in there, right? So technically speaking, there's actually information missing. It's so small and it's happening so quickly that we just like a film projector, right? You don't, you don't see individual frames and you don't see individual frames in animation, um, visual animation, right? Um, you see it as a smooth thing. The same thing, exact, exact thing is happening when you're, when you're placing together all these tiny little digital clips. In the analog world, there is no clipping of it, right? It's actually a continuous sound. So the, the, um, there is some depth. There is literally information missing in that sound. So I see. you've all heard lower and lower quality MP3s or even the sound that we're hearing right now, right? This is digitally degraded and it's going out into the internet and coming down into Maddie's place and coming down to where you are. And so we're hearing not the highest fidelity sound. Well, that's happening to some degree in, in every sort of digital approximation of, of sound. Analog is a true full on representation. The other thing that um, happens with analog gear is it's usually old, an old tape machine or even old records, right? You, you actually have physical media degradation. So the tape isn't perfect. The final record you're playing isn't perfect, but there is some charm to that sound, right? So lots of people describe it as a warmth or sort of that, even that tape hiss, right? There's a, there's a charm to that. Um, and that's, that's one big reason why I think I'm drawn to that analog sound for Kimberlite specifically, because basically, like you said, we're doing an old school soul project. This label is very specific to a, an era of sound. Uh, and they certainly didn't have digital options back then. So we, uh, part, of, part of the appeal was we're doing it the same way that they did it in the 60s in Detroit or Chicago or whatever we're trying to sound like. The other kind of really cool thing that's, um, that you get out of an analog or recording to tape is the straight limitations of how difficult editing is, how um, time consuming it is to even just rewind to the beginning of the song to try a take again. So it, it, what I love about it is it puts you in a different headspace creatively or like in the moment of recording, or at least it always does for me. I've spent so much time editing in front of Pro Tools that if I have that option, I'm probably gonna do it. And Jory, you even remember recently, like we recorded some stuff that we wanted to make it sound really old and I'm still nudging things around and moving it so it sounds a certain way. You don't have those options really with tape machines, especially if you're recording multiple instruments at the same time. Sometimes it's hard to separate one from the other and you certainly aren't, you're, like they physically have to cut tape to make edits, right? So I'm not doing any of that. It puts you in a, like you better get that take or you're also just accepting the little mistakes um, as part of the charm of the process too. So that's, that's, that's not why all people kind of go for that analog thing. Most of the time people will tell you that it's for the, the charm of the sound or the warmth of the sound and whatever. But I really like the fact that it's pretty limited and you're going to, you kind of get what you get. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, as the musician recording to tape, it puts me in a different, different headspace. Like I better, I better nail it. I really want to stay in it. I don't, I don't get to just try it again, try it again or edit it's it when I, when I screw up. The really old school way to approach recording, you know, with the pressure there and, and yeah, uh, it's on you. Oh, it's certainly the way that it was back then, especially for, so the other half of what we do with Kimberlite is we're not trying to sound like big budget music from back in the day. There's, um, like everybody's probably heard of Motown Records that has a giant legacy uh, as one of the biggest, you know, soul and R&B kind of genres that, to come out of the States. But at that time, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other labels and other artists trying to sound like Motown 
on such a lower budget that they didn't quite get there, but they created their own sort of charm. And I think that's the tradition that we're basically trying to play in. And if our listeners want to check out uh, what we're talking about, what Fred's talking about, you can go to KimberlightRecords.com and and, uh, check out some of the tracks and some of the artists there. Do you have anything to add, Batty? Um, I was going to ask if you have a favorite artist you've worked with or a favorite project you've worked on as a producer. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, li- I lied. You saved the hard ones for last. Um, <laughs> geez, I don't know. It's always such a pleasure recording with Jor that I don't think I could. Uh, name I was going to say, Fred, you don't have to say me. You don't have to. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I appreciate it. No, Maddie, I don't know if I have a, a better answer there. Um, They've all been great. <laughs> that's the best that's answer. That's not true, but too many of them have been great for me to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, Fred, thank you very much for your time. Unless, My Maddie, pleasure. do you have any, anything else on your, on your list that you, that you no, wanted to ask? I think that's great. Yeah, I think you offered us a really uh, fresh kind of insight into production, too. It's, it's really interesting talking to different producers, too, because, of course, everybody has their approach and their influences and that all brings that all is part of their sound you know because they're just like artists and within their own right and they have their own library work and their own sound so anyway fred thank you very much for talking to us we really appreciate it um i'll just add this because i've literally watched both of these they're on netflix i watched them both in the last two weeks maybe even the last week there's a great one um about actually i don't think it's on netflix it was somewhere crave maybe uh, but if you can find it, um, David Foster, uh, a documentary about David Foster that was absolutely fascinating. And there is a genius producer guy. Um, say what you will about him as a person. It was a fascinating uh, uh, documentary. And there's, a, there's one about Clive Davis, too. And Clive Davis is a very specifically cool producer in the sense that he was not incredibly musically hands-on, but he had sort of all those other ethereal things that I was kind of talking about, about matching the right artist up with the right song or um, just sort of like hearing hits before they happened. Um, but he wasn't such a hands-on, like he wasn't the guy writing, writing with them or arranging with them, whereas the David Foster really was. But anyways, both of these uh, documentaries, fascinating. And uh, kind of shows two very different sides of, I mean, both of these guys are big, 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 big name producers, but. Uh, and, and different producers from each other. Very, very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Especially in their approach, like quite different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, the documentary. I mean, they both they so both ended up working with Celine Dion uh, at the same time, but like their approach is incredibly different. Uh, I just uh-huh. found it really interesting. Check it out. Uh-huh. It's just on awesome. my mind. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Freddie. We appreciate your time, and it was uh, really nice talking to you. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> nice to meet you, Maddie. Nice to meet you too. Okay. Thanks. Take care, Freddie. Okay. Bye.